0: So we're in the book of Hebrews, and um, just to put today into context, you might wonder why we've suddenly gone from Hebrews chapter, which chapter were we in last week? Four, and suddenly we've leapt uh, all the way to chapter 11. It's because chapters four through to the end of chapter 10 are telling the story Of why Jesus is the ultimate high priest. Why Jesus is the ultimate king and Lord of lords. Why Jesus above all else is the one in whom we should put our trust that Jesus is the one that the whole of the Old Testament has been speaking about and has been anticipating and has been looking forward to. So when we looked at those verses last week about the great high priest and we talked about um, receiving mercy and going to the throne room with boldness and so on, that that fills in this whole... Uh, Number of chapters all the way towards the end of um, chapter 10. And we're going to pick things up now at the end of chapter 10 because there's a pivot point. So a pivot point at Hebrews at the end of chapter 10, which is the same pivot point that you need to look out for in almost all the New Testament books. So the New Testament books, the letters, and not the Gospels, but the letters that Paul wrote to his churches, the the teaching part of the New Testament, basically says, these are the things that are true about God. Because that's where it all begins, isn't it? It doesn't really matter what's true about you, ultimately. What really matters, first and foremost, are the things that are true about God. And once they they have established the things that are true about God. So Hebrews has done that. This is who Jesus is. This is what he came to do. This is the high priest that's gone into heaven. This is what he's achieved. All the truths about God. Then there is this pivot point that goes, well, so what for you? If all that is true about God, how then should we live? If all that is true about God, what solid truth can I stand on and be trampolined and sprung forward into the future? So it always begins with God. And if you're trying to pack, unpack anything in your world, just remember that it always begins with God. So take your eyes off what you're trying to unpack and get your eyes back on to uh, Jesus. So there's this pivot point that comes at the end of chapter 10. If all that is true, then how should we live? Which isn't a bad question. Everyone's asking that question. How should we live? So, so what the heck should we do? How do we respond And there it is in verse 38 of Hebrews chapter 10. Those who are right with me, those who get it, those who've heard it, those who've understood it, those who know this truth about who Jesus is, those who are right with me, what will they do? They'll live by faith. Those who are right, that's the response. That's the reality. That's what we're being called into. Faith is what brings us into this new life of God that the Hebrew writer has been talking about is, is encapsulated and captured and is true in Jesus. Those who are right with me live by faith. And uh, you can, you, there's just those uh, uh, verses there that you can read around it. If you've got it open in front of you, you, verse 36, because of who Jesus is, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Verse 37, in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. So we're in this kind of in-between time. Jesus has done something that's changed everything. And one day he will come back to wrap it all up. In the meantime, how do we live? In the meantime, what do we do? In the meantime, who is his church? And what are they about? My righteous one, verse 38, or the righteous or the right ones who are right with me, depending on your translation, will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Why would we shrink back? We would shrink back because the fuel in our lives is fear rather than faith. And basically that's a a choice, isn't it, for us. Whether the fuel of our life is fear, which is our natural human state, or whether the fuel of our life becomes faith, joy, peace and hope and so on in the Holy Spirit. So faith is what aligns us to the one who is coming. Faith is what takes hold of what Jesus has already done and chooses to live in the light of it. And faith is what enables us not to shrink back in fear. Faith suddenly seems really important, don't you think? It's at the heart of it all. And we know that in the way that we say it's the Christian faith. Which is why, as the writer to the chapter 11 gets going. He gets to the heart of it in verse 6 and says, without faith, this is verse 6 of chapter 11, without faith, it's what? It's impossible. It's not, it's not harder to please God. It's not more effort to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards or or he responds to those who earnestly seek him. This is, in some measures, hugely challenging. Because I think if I was to ask us, maybe out of the context of what I've just been saying, but if I was to ask us, tell one another, the ways that you are trying to please God, I'm not sure faith would be in the first sentence. I think what we might say is I'm trying to please God by doing something. You know, I'm trying to please God by being a good husband or a good wife or a good friend. I'm trying to please God by being a good neighbor. I'm trying to please God by doing the right thing i'm trying to please god by making sure that i don't do we might even frame it very negatively i'm i'm trying to please god with the things that i don't do you can't get much more negative than that can't you which was kind of the the christianity that we grew up on i'm pleasing god by what i don't do i mean that's not exactly going to change the world is it <laughs> this is what i this is what i'm not doing but but those kind of things might have been our response. And what's the problem with that? It's all about what we are trying to do. It's all about our effort. as if As if somehow by those things that I do, I can please God. And it's impossible to please God by my own effort. Because what? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The life of faith has become and does become so easily for us in our humanness, a life of trying, a life of effort, a life of doing. And if I do these certain things, then I I might intellectually know it doesn't work, but in my heart I'm thinking, if I do those things, then I'll, I'll please God. And here the writer to the Hebrews turns it all on its head. We've got this great high priest who died, who was sacrificed for everything in our lives all the effort, all the striving, all the working at it, because our effort, our striving, our working at it always misses the target, who's done all that, says, no, I'm inviting you to live in a totally different kind of way. So what do we mean by faith? That's how chapter 11 starts. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is being confident. Faith is being assured. That's the English rendition of the original verses that some of our Bibles translate it in that kind of a way. Our English word faith, in this definition in verse 1, begins to suggest that it's about my confidence and my assurance. Faith is me choosing to be confident. Faith is me trying to drum up that sense of being uh, assured. What's the problem with that definition? In the light of all that we've just said. The problem with that definition, as it stands by itself, is that faith suddenly now becomes about my effort. If I convince myself today that I have faith, then I'll somehow be a better Christian than the person who hasn't yet convinced themselves about faith. Suddenly it's about on me if we read it like that. So we need to be very cautious to read it like that, in the light of all that we're understanding from the book of Hebrews. We'll see in a minute though, that there is an aspect of faith, that does perhaps start in our minds and our hearts. It is about a decision that we're making, but it doesn't stop there. That faith in the end leads to action, and it's the action itself that produces the faith, ironically. And so we begin this cycle of trusting in God, seeing Him at work, and entering more fully into the faith and the life that He has for uh, us. So let's just have a look at that. Because if you... If you opened your Bible this morning and it was the King James Version, anyone got the King James Version open in front of them this morning? Liam has. Uh, Or or the contemporary English Version, then the very same words, so we're not mucking about with the Bible and making the Bible say something different, the very same verses emphasize different aspects of truth that perhaps are... English uh, uh, words can't grasp all in the one sentence. Now this is what the King James or the uh, C.E.V. translates it. Now faith is not me trying to be confident or assured. Faith is the substance. Faith is the real thing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence or the proof of things not yet See faith here is much less something that i'm trying to generate faith is an experience that i enter into faith touches me faith changes me faith impacts me faith creates produce uh, faith produces evidence and substance in me It's not something that I have to work up. Am I confident and am I assured? No, as I step in, as I step in, faith does something for me. And I feel its substance. I feel its strength. I feel its value. So faith then, so much less something you produce, but something that produces something in you. Now that's a different kind of thing, isn't it? I would like a faith that produces something in me, wouldn't you? Rather than a faith that leaves it all up to me. Can I be assured enough? Can I be confident enough? And when we live and act in faith, I begin to get this lived experience, this substance, this, this evidence, this proof that these verses are talking about that breaks into my life. Now, which is right? Is, is the NIV right or, or is the, the CEV right? or No, it's all right. It's all right. And that's the whole point that unlocks the understanding of Hebrews chapter 11, that unless we hold both these things in tension, we will go off the wrong precipice either side. Faith is not something that I work up in my mind, and neither is faith a mindless action that I do, independent of God and His presence. So let's dial ourselves back to thinking about these two perspectives. If faith is about assurance and confidence, then that's where we can begin. Faith begins with an internal assurance and confidence. Where does that internal assurance and confidence come from? It comes from the fact that faith, which will be worked out in an action eventually, faith comes from a reasoned understanding of reality. Faith is a choice, the Bible's telling us in Hebrews chapter 11, into the light or a choice that's made in the light. We talk about, or people talk about, don't we, blind faith. You'll hear people criticize Christians. It's just blind faith or it's a a step into the dark as if faith is based on no good reason. Uh, And that would be a, a, a nonsense, wouldn't it? In a world where God has given us reason and rationale and understanding, to live by faith that completely disregards our reasoning wouldn't make any sense at all. Now, let's be very careful. Reason will not get us all the way. But we don't have to kick reason out the door in order to live by faith. And depending on your worldview, that will be reassuring to you. But you can anchor your faith in that which is reasonable. In that which is, has reason attached to it. If we look at the two central figures in Hebrews chapter 11, the two archetypes of faith, Abraham and Sarah, we begin to see how this gets worked out. You still with me? Yeah? We're we doing okay. we in it. In it to win it. Verse 11. Verse 11. Look, Look what happens here. By faith... Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, she was in her mid 80s. How about that, Becky? Sarah's in her mid 80s. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Uh, And what does she do in her mid 80s when the whole notion of having a baby uh, comes from God? What does she do? She laughs. She laughed. She goes, This is absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. There's no reasoning in that. We haven't got to the reason bit yet. Who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered, because she reasoned that God would be faithful to the promise that he made. That's not complete faith. But it's the beginnings of faith to say this is reasonable. And why was she able to say that it's reasonable? So first of all, she laughed. She did what we always do, our natural, I have no faith, this is ridiculous, I'm tuning out of this. And then she got drawn back into reflecting through the in the presence of God, reflecting on what might be true, what might be reasonable. And she reflected, I'm surmising, over her life. For decades, God had been faithful to her and her husband. For decades, God had provided land where they could live, even though they had sometimes to move around. For decades, God had provided food. And for decades, faithful to a promise God had made to them decades before, he had not only protected them, provided for them, given them wealth and a future, and built their family. God had been faithful to Everything that he had said in the past 30, 40, 50 years. Therefore, would it not be reasonable to think that God might be faithful again? You with me? It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, doesn't take you the whole way. But Sarah came back to it. She, she shifted herself away from, this is just ridiculous. She shifted ah, yes, please she shifted herself away from this is just ridiculous into thinking,. into thinking, do you know what? Maybe, maybe there's some truth here. Just maybe the God who's kept all of these promises might actually be able to keep this one. Now it's a pretty big step to have a baby when you're in your, isn't it? Ladies? It's a bit of an effort, isn't it? It's going to be, a bit, of a, it's going to be a bit of a jolt, isn't it? But can you see what Sarah's doing? The things that we, the things that we push out out of hand, the things that we laugh at, the things that we say are ridiculous, the things that we say can never happen, maybe if we began with an openness to the spirit of God, we might see that there's a reasonableness to them that we'd never seen before are you with me. Sarah goes, do you know what? Maybe it's not so ridiculous. Maybe, maybe there is something in this promise from God. And we see the exact same commentary with Abraham. So Sarah and Abraham, two gigantic figures of faith. And they're positioned in this passage to speak like that. So Sarah, Abraham. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. How ridiculous is that? The reason that's ridiculous is that for decades, for decades, God had promised Abraham that he would become the father of many nations and that through him many nations would be blessed. And Isaac was the only means of that taking place. So it's a a ridiculous notion, isn't it? That he should sacrifice Isaac. Because this whole journey, it's all been about the promise. All been about Isaac. Everything hangs on this lad. What does Abraham do? What does it say? Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So as Abraham stepped back, Remember, there were plenty of times when he thought it was ridiculous and he couldn't believe that Sarah was going to have a child and he took matters into his own hands. There were plenty of times he missed it and got it wrong. But as he steps back here and reasons, he reasons to himself that God, who has done all of this stuff in their life, could even raise the dead. And in that sense, that's what happened. When we think about faith, we do not need to ditch reason at the door. Reason is the first step into real trust. And and I think for some of us that's liberating. That's liberating. We don't disengage reality. We don't disengage our hearts, our minds, our thinking. We don't disengage our story. But as we ponder before god there is reason so we've good reason we've got good reason for our christian faith haven't we we've got good reason for why we are gathering we've got good reason to believe in god because when we look at creation we see uh, detail and beauty and order and sustainability and all the things that speak to us of God. As we look at our lives, we see that our relational connectedness is at the core of who we are. So that points to a God who is already in relation. There is a reasonableness about it. We trust our lives on Jesus, not because there was a mad prophet roaming around Galilee, but because... Here was a person anchored in history who's changed the whole course of history. And at any time, Paul would say, do you know what? There are 500 people that have seen him raised from the dead. You can go and chat to any one of them if you like. And so reason, it's anchored in, our faith is anchored in reason. And we could give multiple examples of that. It's not blind faith. It's not a leap in the dark. It's not, oh, I'm going to try harder and harder to build up this assurance, to build up this confidence. No, no. No, we begin with where we are and we open our eyes and we see what God is doing. We see what the world is like. We see the journey that we've been on and we reason that this is possible with God. Excuse me a moment. Talk amongst yourselves as I just bite away. On that little bit, the fisherman's friend opens up and blows the top of your head off. That's what I'm experiencing right now. It's good to share, isn't it? But let's put it in its right place. Reason doesn't get you all the way. You with me? Okay, we're just getting going. Reason will not get you there. And that's, that's another problem, isn't it? If we want to trust in our reason, we'll never get there. Okay? But reason is a reasonable place to start. You see what I did there? Then... And all these examples show it. Then what begins with reason needs, needs to step into action if faith is going to be realized. Remember that King James version? As we, as we, as we, faith is the substance, it's the experience, it's the proof, it's the reality as I, as I, as I experience it. And I only experience it as I step into it. So there's a choice in the light based on reason. But think about Abraham, again in verse 8, if you've still got it uh, open in front of you. It's not just a choice into life, it's an action into life. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as, in, as his inheritance. What did he do? He went. He said, I'm going. He said, I'm all, I'm all in. I'm going to obey And went, even though he did not know where he was going. So he could not reason it all out. And that's what we're often looking for, isn't it? It begins with reason for sure, but then I want to reason it all out before I even get going. Who's with me? I want to understand all about it before I step off. No, reason encourages us to take the first step. It's only as we begin to take the step and the second and the third step that the substance of faith becomes real in our hearts. He acted, he obeyed, he responded in obedience to the call. Faith is action, not just a thought in our heads. And it's as we take the action. There is this kind of transfer, sorry, transfer of trust that goes on. I begin to experience, as I step out, I begin to experience the substance of the life that God has for me. As I step out, I experience this life, and what does this life do? This life gives me the substance, the proof of it, which in turn increases my faith. And so what began as reason ends up being the reality of God's life at work in our lives. Faith and obedience, two sides of the same coin. For Abraham, it was the action, not the reasoning, that created the breakthrough. Yeah, now that's really important. In all of these examples, it's the action, not the reasoning, that creates the breakthrough. But the reasoning helps us get to the place... Of obeying, of doing the action. And that's what we see right through this great passage. Uh, You know, we can read that by faith, Isaac, uh, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning them. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. And then it goes, verse 24, by, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to. So it's all about action. It needs to find its root in action, something that we do. And you can read all about those examples there. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. What was it that parted the Red Sea? Was it their reasoning? No. It was their action of stepping in to the Red Sea that caused it to part. So we've got this, we've got this journey of faith that begins with a reasoning, a, a sense of gathering, a confidence and an assurance about what we're hoping for. But then there's a stepping in and we receive the substance, the reality, the evidence of of it and there are some loads of great examples what more should we say should we talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who've conquered kingdoms administered justice and gained what was promised shut the mouths of lions and all that stuff there's some great stuff in there and some tough stuff when people are taking action to stand for their faith so here we go so what this is my pivot talked about Hebrews pivot some moments ago this is my pivot heard all that say so what so what where do you need more faith? Just think about that for a minute. Where, where, do, where do you need more faith? Remember that it's impossible to please God without faith. If you're trying to please God at work but there's no faith. If you're trying to please God at home but there's no faith, if you're trying to please God in the church, but there's no faith. So Where, where, where do you need more faith? Or, or to ask it perhaps differently? Where do you need a breakthrough? Where are you up against it? Where is the pressure on? So where do you need a breakthrough? Perhaps in your family, breakthrough in your personal life, a breakthrough in a relationship, breakthrough in your uh, uh, in your work or, or your finances or whatever. Where, where do you need a breakthrough? Where do you need a breakthrough? Or, different type of question, where is there an opportunity you haven't yet seized because you haven't had the faith where is there an opportunity you haven't yet seized because you haven't got the faith or had the faith where is there an invitation that God is inviting you in but you have not yet or not yet ready to accept because you just haven't got the faith for it different type of question where do you sense God might want to be at work in your life? But at the moment, you're just stepping back because you haven't got the faith. So where do you need faith? Have you got what you're thinking about right now where you might need some faith? Anybody? Nod your head at me. Nod your head if you know, if you know where it is right now. So where do you start? Start with, start with reason start with reason is it reasonable that god can do whatever it is in you through you in that situation is it reasonable to have faith that god will is it reasonable whatever it is it does that make sense is it reasonable and and, and you might you, you might Um, find different ways of accessing that reasonableness. Yes, it's reasonable that God will do this in my life because I read in Scripture Him doing it countless times with countless others. So, Scripture could be a way that you begin to establish that reasonableness that God would be at work in my situation, in my circumstances, with me, because I can see that he's been at work in those people's circumstances and in their lives. Think of a verse that comes to mind right now that reminds you that it's reasonable. That these are the kind of things that God does. That this is the kind of way that God works. That this is how God moves in our lives. Think of a promise in the scriptures that is pertinent to what you're thinking about. And so you're building up this sense that, hey, it's reasonable. It might not just, well, it isn't just the Bible. We've got the Bible and we've got a whole history, a whole community of faith, haven't we? So the testimony of somebody else, somebody else's story helps you to see the reasonableness of what God might do with you. Because God did it with them, then it's reasonable to think that God might do it with me. you with me? And that's partly the way Hebrews is working. What does Hebrews chapter 11, sorry, chapter 12 begin with? Since we're surrounded by great witnesses, since we've got all these people that live by faith and the things that they did, it's reasonable to think that I can live by faith and I can do those things. And so where is it that you need faith? What's, what, what, what does the Bible say about that? What does the community of faith say about that? And what does your own experience say about that? Because maybe where you are right now, the frontier that you're facing right now is a frontier where you've been before. It might be a different place, might have a different name, might involve different people, but coming to that frontier, that place where you've been before, you go, hey, is it reasonable? Is it reasonable that God will be faithful into this new season? Yes, because he was faithful in the last season. Start with reason. It's still not faith, though. It's still not faith, though. Until you take action. Until you take action. So as you think about where you need faith, and you think about the reasonableness of it in the light of Scripture, in the light of the testimony of God's people, in the light of what you've already experienced about God, then what's the action that you need to take to bring that faith alive? Let's ask God what that action is. What is it, the first step, the small step, that you could take of faith into that situation? So if you're, for example, that you're um, sensing God's call into a new season, or or there's this opportunity that you can see ahead of you, is it reasonable that God might be calling me into it? Absolutely, God calls people in time and space to fulfill his purpose. That's reasonable. Okay, so Lord, what first step should I take? What first step of faith should I take to step into that for which God is calling me. If, if where you need more faith, or, or where you are identifying the, uh, in that question about where do you need more faith, I, 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 need, I need God to heal me in some way, is it reasonable that God would heal you? Why is it reasonable? Sorry? Perfect. It's reasonable because he's done it before. It's reasonable because it's... All over the Bible. It's reasonable because the Bible teaches that we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. It's reasonable because through the history of the church, God has healed people. So it's reasonable. That in itself is not faith. Faith gets worked out when I go, yes, I'm taking that which is reasonable. And I'm listening to what God is saying. And I'm going to act on it now in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to pray for someone to be healed. Can you see how these two things need to work together together? And it's not one, and it's not the other, but there is this um, synergy between uh, the two. If I'm thinking about whether God can break a particular, uh, or change a particular situation, is it reasonable? Is it reasonable for me to have faith that God will change that situation? Yes, because God has changed countless situations in Scripture, in, in our experience as a church. So when we're thinking, for example, about the community hub that we talked about a few weeks ago, I'm going, is it, do we have faith for that? Do we have faith for what God wants to do? When you think about all that money and all that effort, do we have faith for it? Well, is it reasonable? Yes, because look where we are, people. Look at this building. Look at that building. Is it reasonable that, that, that God could do that? Absolutely reasonable because God's done all this. You with me? It's part of our story, part of our testimony. It's why it's important for us to share, to talk, to build faith with one another. Therefore, it's reasonable. That doesn't get it built. Then we take action. We put faith into practice because we know that it's the kind of thing that God does. So let's just pause for a moment. And let's just center center it in on ourselves. Where, where do you need more faith? So whatever that was, where you were thinking about when I said that about five minutes ago, where, where do you need more faith? What, what is that? Where, where's that place? So is it is it reasonable? Uh, allow allow the Spirit of God just in these moments to bring to mind Scripture that, like Abraham and Sarah, you might reason: is is this is this even possible? Is this? Is this even? Yes! Look at what God did in those lives, in that day, in this situation. And allow faith to begin to rise. That assurance and that confidence is not based on you drumming it up. It's based on the truth of who God is. It's not about how much faith you've got, but who your faith is in. And so think about that with me for a moment. Think about think about the, the testimony of the Bible for what you need faith for. Think about the testimony of others. Think about perhaps someone you know who's been through something similar. The names, dates, circumstances might be different, but the root thing's the same. Think, gosh, God did it for them. Think about your own experience where God has been faithful. And allow faith to begin to rise. So instead of it being ridiculous, instead of it being a place where you laugh at it, like Sarah did, you go, do you know what? This could really be true. Do you know what? This could really actually happen. God could actually do this. And now ask him for what that first step is. To put faith into practice. To create faith by the step that we take. What is that First step that you can take to say, God, God, I'm serious about this. God, I, I'm going to trust you for this. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to step into faith for this, because I can see it's who you are and what you're like, and all that you, excuse me, and all that you're going to do. This is not about trying. Remember all that stuff we might have said, I'm pleasing God by all the stuff that I'm trying. No, this this is about hearing from God and just stepping in. And faith will give us the substance. Faith is the substance, the reality, the proof as the life of God gets released within us. So let's be quiet for a moment. What is it? Where is it that you need more faith? And is it reasonable that God can and will? Is that reasonable? Allow that to minister to your heart. Allow the reasonableness of it to cause faith to rise. Jesus. Jesus, increase faith all across this room, we pray. As we recall Scripture. As Abraham and Sarah recall decades of you looking after them. Would you look after them again? Yes. Because you were faithful to them. Think about a verse that's been so important to you over the years. The promise. Allow that to cause faith to rise. Is it reasonable that God will do that now? Yes. Because look at what he promised. Is it reasonable that God will do this now? Yes. Because God did it for me last week, last year, last Decade. Is it reasonable? Yes, because I have people in my community. I have friends. I have, I've read a book of Christian. I, I see that that's how you work in the world. And so begin to believe now for you, for your moment, for your situation, for this time. And ask, what's that? What's the step? What's the step? That makes faith real. What's the step. That in the end creates the faith. That is pleasing to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we move from that place where we find ourselves with Sarah of being ridiculous, just laughing at it, laughing at the notion of it. And so we, we, we just ignore it. We ignore opportunities. We just agree with ourselves that the way things are are the way that they will always be. We, we, we resign ourselves to passivity and acceptance because it's just all ridiculous. We just laugh at it. Thank you for the way that Sarah and Abraham moved to a very different place and entered into your promise. Help us on this journey that we move into a very different place and in our reality, in our situation, enter into the promise that you have for us. Why don't you just for um, a, a moment... Just, just turn to, to, to a couple of people around you. Just, just, just pray for one another. If you've got something that you can easily share, that's a great thing to share. So let uh, say, I'm, I'm owning this, I'm stepping in, and just, just be praying for that. But just pray for one another. Just do, do that now. Just pray for one another. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is something that we need to grasp, that we need to hold on to, that we need to grab hold of. Just pray for one another. You can share what it is that you 're stepping into that 's absolutely brilliant, but just just pray for one another uh, just a, a a couple of a couple of things as we 're thinking about um, that reasonableness that testimony testimony of god 's word testimony of of people and so on um, just a, a couple of a couple of things one one was a a song that um, was being shared with the Prophecy Group Praying Before the Service, and you're always welcome to join them to listen, by the way, before uh, church starts, based on um, Psalm 121, and uh, I'll just read it to you. It just feels in- important for um, uh, for establishing what we build our faith on, a mighty fortress for every weakness. Receive these words. These might be for you, yeah? So it's easy to kind of... Tune out, wondering what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next? I'm going to pray for a minute. We're going to sing a song. We're going to have some coffee, okay? So that's what's going to happen next. Don't need to worry about what's going to happen next, okay? We know what's going to happen next. Okay, that's how it's going to, you know. Um, so that that's where we're at, okay? Uh, A mighty fortress for every weakness. That's how God works. That's reasonableness right there. I'm not helpless. You've never failed me once. I have a saviour for every failure. I'm not hopeless. You've never failed me. Come on, a mighty fortress for every weakness. I'm not helpless. You've never failed me once. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, who neither slumbers or sleeps, who will not let your foot slip. So I lift my eyes to the heavens. You are greater still. My strength comes from the Lord, the maker of it all. My strength comes from the Lord, a mighty fortress. And then some verses from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 52. Wake up, wake up, clothe yourself with strength, put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city, shake off your dust, rise up, sit in throne, Jerusalem, free yourself from the chains on your neck. Daughter of Zion, you were sold for nothing and without money you will be redeemed. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, as we put faith into action, therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Who was at work. So rise up. Which is God's call on our lives. Rise up. Wake up. Wake up. Clothe yourself with the strength that comes from him. Put on the garments of splendor as children. Sons and daughters of the king today. And loose the chains from around your neck. And live in the freedom. Of all that faith invites us to know. And experience. So we receive it, Lord. We receive these words into our lives. We receive these truths into our lives. That that sense of reasonableness would increase. That we would have more courage and more confidence to step into faith as a Result in Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. We breathe you in, Lord. We breathe you in. We receive your life.